Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Fight for Film TV, giving you the news on the hottest topics in boxing and film entertainment today. We're back for the boxing sector. Sorry it took a while, but we were we had quite a few ideas and we wanted to pick the best one, most relevant one. As usual, I am joined by my co-host on this sector, Matthew Alcock. Hello, guys. How you doing? <laughs> I like that. That was actually brilliant. <laughs> um, but OK, so uh, we, we've picked a decent topic for today's podcast. And um, last time we did our list for the top 10 heavyweights of all time. Uh, we tried to make it fair by splitting between the current era and past eras. Um, but today we're doing something which is relevant to the current era of heavyweight boxing. And that is, I guess, well, I think I've heard a lot of people, Matt, calling it the golden gauntlet, which sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds pretty but cool, actually. It's the, but basically, on long story short, it's the tournament to decide who's going to become heavyweight undisputed champion, which mm. we haven't had one of those since Lennox Lewis. Um, and the fact that it's quite likely as well to happen now because everyone's talking about Joshua Fury might not end up being that. But that's what we're going to talk about today. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to rattle through in chronological order or think um, which order the fights are going to take place as to what our predictions are going to be. Give us kind of like a talk about how we think the fight will play out, who will win and move them on until eventually by the end of this podcast, me and Matt would have selected who we think will become undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. The first one since Lennox Lewis. So, okay. I think we just rattle this out then, but I think we're going to have a lot of fun here. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if you heard that in background um, noise, but my cat just popped in. So I just heard the cat flat smack. <laughs> I didn't hear great. anything, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you don't hear anything your cat is just blooming sleeping all the time yeah pretty much <laughs> uh, but all right so first fight we've got is the finale of matchroom fight camp me and matt are both really looking forward to this one i mean i'm at the mercy of uh, the wi-fi at the place where we're going um because i have something going on in my own private life i'm not going to talk about but um yeah so i'm gonna have to see if i can watch that hopefully i can but me and Matt are both looking forward to seeing Dillian White versus Alexander Povetkin. Now, here's an interesting thing I want to bring to you. You know, Matt, today it's actually been brought out by like Sky Sports and everything. Today means that Dillian has been waiting a thousand days for a world title shot. Yeah, I saw that this morning. It's crazy. <laughs> a thousand days. It's ridiculous. It's just obvious that Wilder was ducking him for that many years, but... Mm. I mean, Fury's one of those guys who just doesn't really care, does he, and wants to take the mick out of everyone. And I think, Dillian, I think Dillian needs to sober down a bit because if he lets Tyson Fury get in his head, then he's lost because mm. that shows that's what Tyson's doing at the moment. He's playing all these mind games on stage and over social media to piss the guy off, in other words. And then, basically, it's going to be a case of the guy is that angry at what Tyson's done in the build-up. He comes straight at him, gasses himself out, and then you've lost. So Dillian can't afford to be, like, get Tyson Fury in his head, otherwise he's lost that fight. But, all right, we're going into a bit of off-topic here. So <laughs> Dillian White, Alexander Povetkin. Let's see if you, you... Give us a little bit of an input here, Matt. Give us a bit of an all-cock special. Well, they're both very fucking strong at hooks. <laughs> <laughs> and... I don't know, it's going to be a great fight. It will be. It, I mean, 
Alexander Povetkin. I'm like, I have to, I have to credit Dillian White. Um, I don't believe Dillian has ever held like a major world title. Like he's WBC interim, but literally all his interim diamond silver belts, they're just garbage, aren't they? He should have, like, he should have won a belt by now. Yeah, he should have. And I think he I think he would have if he was given the chance, honestly, because yeah. the way you're seeing Fury rattle Wilder around the ring, Dillian could have done that. But Wilder was just avoiding him all this time. So I don't know what to say about that, but um Literally, uh, Dillian, I have to credit him in his career. The amount of top 10 contenders he's taken on outdoes Tyson Fury because arguably Tyson Fury's only got two really big names on his record. Well, all right, let's say three. Let's be generous. He's got Vladimir Klitschko, which was his big challenge. It took him eight years to build up to that. Then you've mm-hmm. got him, Deontay Wilder. He fought him when he came to his comeback. And as I have said, Matt, I mean, Matt's probably going to rip my neck off for this because he is a Wilder fan. But um, as, as am I, I wouldn't say he's my favorite heavyweight, but as am I. But thing is with Wilder, he has the right hand of doom. He can knock anyone out in one hit. But if you know how to cancel that out, he's got nothing left. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't exactly class that as a huge win for Tyson Fury. So, literally, those that you got those two, and he fought Derek Chisora twice. But this is when Derek Chisora had already lost a title shot for the WBC against Vitaly Klitschko before he retired. And he, Vitaly Klitschko only got that belt because he won it in a vacant title fight when Lennox, Lennox Lewis retired. So, it's like, I wouldn't class Tyson Fury as really being in the deep waters for that long to show that he can stay there. So... It's it's one of those things where I feel like Dillian could probably have that belt and he should have had that belt by now. But regardless of that, I have to credit him. All the top 10 contenders he's faced, he's faced already, um, I believe, he's faced Joseph Parker, which was a great fight that happened actually today, believe it or not, in 2018. <laughs> but yeah, so Joseph Parker, he was a former world champion. He um, only had one previous loss at the time of fighting Dillian to AJ who took his WBO title from him. Um, but he, now he's going on to fight yet another world champion, the WBA um, heavyweight champion, I believe, at the time. I'm sorry if you hear the background noise. My cat's pouring at the door. Go on, off you go. <laughs> there we go. So I have to leave it ajar now so he can get back. That's annoying. But yeah, so Alexander Povetkin, White Lion, he... He's for, I think he only had, he's only got two losses as to per now. He had the loss to Vladimir Klitschko, which I have to say was a very boring fight, <laughs> if anyone's ever mm-hmm. seen it. Like, yeah. It was massively hyped up. It was a unification bout. It had the same leverage as when AJ fought Parker, because that's like one guy has one belt, one guy has a couple of belts, and they wanted to unify them. It had that same feel to it. But, so it was hyped up that Dr. Steelhandler would be facing him and everyone was looking forward to it. The fight happened. It was literally a case of Povetkin doing his, trying to throw his classic left hook and Klitschko tying him up and hugging him, getting split apart. The same happening again and again. That went on for 12 rounds until the point where obviously the judges thought, well, nothing happened in that fight. So Klitschko might as well keep the belt to get the other one. So, you know, it's, you know, it was a very boring fight. I do feel like Povetkin was cheated out of that fight, but, um, at the same time, he then went on to fight Anthony Joshua. Um, 
his name did got tainted a little bit, but I won't hold that against him in the long run because I respect Povetkin. If you've seen all of his press conferences and things, he's the most respectable, dangerous heavyweight in the division. So I highly respect him. But um, yeah, he, he's got his name tainted because I don't know the ins and outs. I haven't read too much into this story, but he was tested positive, I believe, for a drugs test um, a while back when he was going to fight Deontay Wilder for the WBC. And yeah, that didn't that didn't happen because he was tested positive for those. But um, he then came back when he was allowed back, so obviously it wasn't too bad of an offence. And um, went on to knock out David Price and Huey Fury in that for the um, right to become mandatory for the belt, which was once his. And um, it was held by Joshua because Joshua had that um, title from when he fought Vladimir Klitschko. So, yeah, so Povetkin went into the mandatory spot, had a fight with Joshua, gave him problems in round two, but Joshua knocked him out in seven. So, you know, Povetkin's not to be messed around. He really isn't because I do like the promos that Sky Sports have put out for that fight, the battle of the left hooks. I think that's a really good little motto to have because, well... Everyone's seen what Dillian can do with his left hand. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Derek Chisaurus sparked him out on the canvas, literally in, in their rematch at round 11. That was incredible. Like He was Sparko on the canvas. And Joseph Parker as well, short left hook on the chin, floored him. That was incredible. And up to that point, Joseph Parker, not even by AJ, was ever floored. And so that was incredible to see that. But Dillian White, I definitely think he's one of the best heavyweights of this time. And, well, this fight's going to be incredible. But, um, right, so how do you see the fight playing out, Matt, just overall? Um, I would say it starts quite even because they're both fresh and ready to go. Um, and I would say Povetkin will take more shots because he doesn't have as good a chin as White. Mm. But then, oh, it's a hard one to tell. I feel like Vecchio will get knocked out by White. Yeah, I'm I'm not exactly sure. I think my prediction is one of it's kind of one of two things. I don't want to write Povetkin off because he's a solid fighter. I do respect him and that. But see the thing is it's the thing is even though he Povetkin doesn't believe it, and I hope he doesn't, he shouldn't believe it because a fighter should keep fighting until the end. But it's one of the things where I do believe this is Povetkin's last chance to get into the world title rankings. I, I honestly do believe that. Um, and the way I see it happening is you're going to see the best Povetkin you've ever seen for this fight because he knows it's his last chance for certain to get into the world title shots and rankings. And if he doesn't pull it off, then that's going to be bad for him and he's going to take forever to get himself back to that stage. So yeah, I do believe he's going to be quite intent on trying to go in there and cause an upset um but not to hold anything against him i don't think he will i think dillian has this fight but i believe it goes one of two ways for him i think dillian is either going to have a same repeat of what he did with parker where it's going to be a constant backwards and forwards brawl to end in a unanimous decision for white or white is going to knock him out late and i do mean late like around 10 or 11 so is one of two things there for Dillian White. Um, but I do believe that fight's going to happen. I think because Povetkin knows that 
White has got the exact same power shot. Like his honey punch is the exact same to his. He's not going to be able to use it as much. So I do believe he's going to try and like outbox Dillian to start with to try and wear him down. But Dillian's a very clever fighter. He's massively improved since Anthony Joshua, his only loss. And well, if you could just see what he did to Oscar Rebas, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but yeah, you, any example you can pick, Derek Chisora, like anyone you can pick on his resume since that first loss just shows you what sort of fighter Dillian is. So um, I think he's going to utilize his jab quite well because Dillian's got a world-class jab. If he doubles it up, he's got power behind it. It's a straight jab out. I think he has the capacity because Povetkin doesn't have the longest of reaches. He reminds me of a bit of a, you know, a a more clever Mike Tyson because he's got the power, but he's a short heavyweight. He's got a short reach but he's got a lot of power behind his shots so he reminds me a lot of mike tyson um personally i think povetkin's gonna get a little bit troubled late knowing that he's i wouldn't say behind hugely on the scorecards but slightly and he's gonna try and throw a power shot which will wobble white make the audience question whether he has it and then dillian's gonna pull another rabbit out of the hat and probably get the victory so final predictions from me for that fight I believe that that's going to be a win for Dillian White, either by um, knockout late or unanimous decision. And what of Matt's final predictions? I think that White will knock him out late because he'll get worn down too much because of his age. True. Very true. Okay, so moving on. So we're currently in the quarterfinals for this um, golden gauntlet. I'm going to use that now because I love the sound of it. <laughs> but. I absolutely love it. I mean, Ed, I'm sure Eddie Hearn does as well. He's part of this golden. The word gold, he gets all that money. Anything for money, yeah. <laughs> but at least he's got a bit more like sense and a bit more like you know common sense than old fish face. Um, oh, what's his? Oh, Frank Warren. Frank Warren. <laughs> like he's, he's frowning and trash talking anyone. Same as Bob Arum. Both of them trash talk anyone that's a matchroom fighter because they know Eddie Hearn's got the advantage these days. But, okay, so next fight, if we're going in chronological order, I believe, even though we haven't heard any official news on it yet, Alexander Usyk versus Derek Chisora. Now, all right, this is just a fight for the sheer hell of being a fight, but the winner become is mandatory because Usyk at the moment, I do feel like there's a little bit of nothing against Usyk. He's a... He's a funny guy. He's a decent guy. He's a bit like Povetkin. You know, he's respectable. But it's just, I feel like there's a little bit of corruption in like the um, ranking system because, yes, Alexander Usyk was undisputed cruiserweight champion. Like, he schooled Tony Bellew. I thought that was pretty cool. But I, the thing is with Usyk, he doesn't seem to have that punching power. He, he seems to have very clever skill. He's a very skillful boxer. And, but most of his wins come by a show of boxing display rather than power and knocking people out. So I do believe that he needs to do what everyone else has done if they move up to heavyweight and they need to work and earn their spot in the rankings. And I feel like Usyk was just put there in like the top four. And I don't know whether he needs to be there straight away because in all the rankings, he's at least in the top five. But WBO, he's mandatory already. And he's only had one fight, heavyweight, against Tim Weatherspoon, who's old, and 
provided no punishment. He he didn't fight back. So, and the thing is, Usyk looked like it took him a real struggle to get Witherspoon out of there. So, I don't know what was happening there. But, um, right, we've all seen Derek Chisora, right? Actually, conveniently, on the same card as White Fighter Parker, which happened today, he had a fight against Carlos Takam. Now, no one expected it to be, but that was an incredible fight. Like, Takam looked like he was edging it on the scorecards, but equally, it was like a brutal slugfest. But there, here comes Delboy and sparked him out round 10. That was an incredible, <sighs> incredible comeback. Like, you, I thought I had him behind on by two rounds on the scorecards, adding it up myself. And he sparked him and finished it. That was incredible. But he provided us two blockbuster, amazing fights with Dillian White. So... It just shows Chisora is meant to be a force in the division, even if he's not meant to exactly be a world champion because it's, he's had a couple of tries at that and it's never really worked for him. Um, but he's definitely deserves to be like a force to be reckoned with in the division. But him against Usyk, I'll give... So, Alcock, give us another Alcock special. What do you think this fight's going to be like? I just don't think Usyk has enough power to take down... Chisora's chest, Chisora's chin. So, yeah. I think it'll be easy. Yeah, he's a pretty... Uh, he's a, He's got a pretty good chin because, I mean, look at the fact with Dillian White. You know what sort of knockout power Dillian White's got? And it took him two fights to be able to put Derek Chisora on the canvas. That that shows something. And Tyson Fury couldn't do it. Right? He couldn't put him on the canvas. Um, <laughs> and... I think that Vitaly Klitschko couldn't do it either, and he had a decent right hand. So it's to show that Dillian White took it forever to get him on the canvas, it was, which means that if he struggled against Tim Witherspoon, nothing against Usyk, but I don't think he's going to be able to deal with Chisora. The only way I can see Usyk taking the win here is if he keeps Chisora at bay with a jab and he boxes him cleverly. He makes it a boxing match, not a not a brutal fight, but as an act, a technical boxing match like AJ Parker. If he does yeah. that, then possibly the judges can get... I think if he... See, the thing is, I don't feel like Chisora's... Is, he's in a bit of an unfair position. So I do feel like what will happen is if it goes to full 12 rounds, Usyk's definitely going to win because the judges are a little bit biased in the fact that they like Usyk's boxing ability. And no matter what happens in the fight, if it goes 12 rounds, they'll give it to him. So I don't feel like Chisora is being going to be fairly done here. But the thing is, the amount of pressure that Chisora can sustain on a fighter, you have to see it. Vitaly Klitschko, Tyson Fury, Dillian White. I mean, Dillian White is a perfect example, forcing Dillian against the ropes on countless times. Like Chisora is a fighter that will walk down anyone and just push them against the ropes. He'll really pressure them. And he wants it to this. He does. He wants to make it brutal. He can take and, shots. And I just don't think that Usyk, I don't think he's the sort of fighter that's ever been pressured. He seems to be the one that when the fighter attempts to apply pressure, he cancels it out. And these other fighters are more of the type that want to get back into Usyk rather than try and pressure him. And the thing is, all right, the only real person I can successfully say that I think that gave Usyk trouble was Tony Bellew, but Tony Bellew still lost. Yes, he's undefeated at the moment, but this was when he was cruiserweight. He became undisputed cruiserweight champion because he had a technique that worked at that weight class. 
He never had that one punch power. And it just, with someone like Derek Chisora that can knock out guys like Carlos Takan, I just, I just don't see it. I really don't. Um, I just think what will happen is Usyk's going to be ahead on the scorecards early. Chisora's going to come back, make it very close. And then, uh, because Usyk's got a, he's got a very good jab, no power in it, but he's got a very good jab. He's a very good boxing style. So I think that's going to be the dominant factor in that fight for quite a while. Um, but everyone's seen how Chisora can come back on the scorecards. Takam and just Dillian White as well. He can come back. He can. So I think what's going to happen is he's going to be walked down, but Usyk's going to, it's going to get closer and closer on the scorecards as it goes on because Chisora is going to put a lot of pressure on, throw decent hooks, combinations. But... Um, I can't pronounce the guy's name, but there was this one swooping left hand that Chisora managed to fluke on the canvas to the point where he nearly fell out of the ropes. It was it was quite shocking, but he has a brutal, brutal combination power he does. So my okay, my final predictions. I'm gonna say it's either going to be whether I believe it or not, I think it's either gonna be Usyk on points if he goes the full twelve rounds, or Chisora by knockout, and I believe that's not going to be mid to late if that happens. So, what's your prediction, Matt? I think first of all, Uzik will do well in the early rounds and just take him uh, back to boxing lessons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I think Chisora will just go in there and just destroy him. So, all right. So, final predictions. So, who do you think is going to be more likely to come up with the win here? Chisora. And yeah, I honestly believe that'll be Derek Chisora. Nothing against Usyk, but the power we've seen from Chisora and the pressure, Usyk hasn't ever had that in his career yet. Um, we don't exactly want to write Usyk off because he's still quite a threat in the heavyweight division because of what he's done at cruiserweight i mean look at evander holyfield he did the same he he was in an undisputed fight when he was the undisputed cruiserweight he came up and become undisputed heavyweight so anything can happen but i just can't see it so me matt here we're in agreement i think it'll be Derek chisora okay so next one chronologically now this is interesting hern is even talked about now i don't i don't i think this option fell through but he even talked about staging this fight on a bloody boat like boat. he's trying to do he's, he's trying to do everything when but well i don't know about that it depends where they put the boat i suppose <laughs> but um mm-hmm. yeah so i think now his final plan is to say o2 in front of a 2000 venue 2000 crowd that is socially distanced the times we're in is just crazy but you have mm-hmm. to do what you gotta do and at least we're still getting boxing. So round about November-ish. Of course, we're talking about Anthony Joshua's IBF mandatory challenge against Kubrat Pulev. Right. Um, okay, this is going to be a bit of an interesting one to talk about because, well, it's to the point where um, Kubrat Pulev, he's, he's, he's got some decent names on his record. He's got Huey Fury. He's got Huey Fury as a win on his record. Um, people like that. But, now, we have to think about his one and only loss, which came from Vladimir Klitschko when he was the unified champion. And <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it, Matt, but if you go like on YouTube and you look up these highlight reels from that fight, but he, he, just, he just didn't fight at all. He, was, he had the problem that Lewis had after his first loss, that 
Emmanuel Stewart able to knock him out of that habit and get him back to a proper fighting style. He was pouring with the jab. And it was a thing where he does. If you pour with it, you're exposing the middle of your core. And Klitschko saw that and he floored him. I think it was twice in round one and then once in round five to, to defeat him. And everyone was thinking that Kubrat Polev was going to give him problems because of his previous record. That was a really big letdown, that was. And, but I don't really want to let, um, I mean, I don't really want to like push Pulev out because I feel like he knows that that's what the public thought, that he just didn't fight in that fight. And I feel like he's going to be a lot more determined to kind of prove people wrong. So I do feel like he'll be quite dangerous. But Anthony Joshua, I mean, do we need to say any more, really? It's kind of like he's gone and taken on former world champions, right? Beaten them. He has done something that I don't think hardly anyone can say that they've done, like justifiably. He has decimated um, in a fantastic fight. I would have liked to have been there um, is against Vladimir Klitschko. He's gone and um, he's fought like people like Dillian White, Povetkin. He's just Joseph Parker. He, he, he's done a lot. Like if you talk about him in comparison to heavyweights of the past, Joshua's had a relatively short career, but the amount he's done in that career is incredible. And I just, I don't, I don't see Pulev beating him. I honestly don't. Well, what's your take on it? Um, I think, oh, I think it'll be easy for Joshua to be honest. Yeah, it's more of the point where I feel like what Joshua needs to do is he needs to like take a round, even if he goes behind on the scorecards. He needs to take a round to analyze Pulev's fighting style because. Pulev doesn't hide his style very well at all. That's one thing I've noticed from him. But So if Joshua could take a round to figure out, okay, this is the way he's going to try and fight me, then I feel like Joshua can employ tactics to neutralize his like defenses and take him out. I th- and I do feel like it's going to be a repeat of what we've seen of him against people like Povetkin, um, where he takes him seven rounds and then finishes him. I do feel like that's what's going to happen. Um, but I mean, don't write anyone off. But I mean, you've seen the fact now that once he came back from that um, that sole defeat, which I do feel like was a fluke. I'm not going to say anything, but like Ruiz didn't care whatsoever to keep his belts in the rematch. Um, and at the same time, it was. And I'm not making excuses for him. I'm looking forward to when Joshua releases like an autobiography or a book because I want to know what he was thinking at that point. But Joshua didn't look right when he walked out in that one defeat. He didn't. I don't understand what it was, but you normally see from Joshua, he's quite upbeat. He walks to the ring, he's smiling, he's waving his fist in the air and he gets in the ring and he starts bowing to the crowd. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a decent chap and he likes to put on a show, but walking to the ring, he looked quite, stunned for some reason and when he got into the ring he wasn't doing what he normally does and you know just keep himself cool he had his arms slouched over the ropes and he was looking at the floor he's in that corner as the champion something wasn't right there that night but he got him back i don't know what happened but i do feel like that was a fluke um but at the end of the day pulev's not going to be the one to take out anthony joshua he's not and i don't know how it's going to happen necessarily but I doubt that. But Joshua, he's now got two tactics. I think he can switch in and out when he wants to. He's got 
the Joshua we saw against Vladimir Klitschko, where he's got very clever combinations with boxing power. Or he's got um, the one fight where if he thinks he's in danger, he can now box on the outside as well. So if he if he makes a mixture of those two styles, then, yeah, Joshua's easily got Pulev. I do believe, like, I think people are taking too much from Joshua's loss to say that, oh, he's lost already, that means he can't do this. Everyone's forgetting what he did before that loss and how he came back from it. So, yeah, um, my prediction for this, I think that Joshua is going to take out Pulev round seven or, like, round seven up to round 11. What's your take on this? Um, Maybe... Pulev surprised us like he's not going to win but to surprise us like he could be better than we think but I still think Joshua's going to knock him out in mid to late rounds yeah exactly I mean Pulev's got the potential to pull off an upset but I mean the only real name that he's got on his record Huey Fury took that the full 12 rounds to win a decision for that so yeah, he might surprise us. Don't get me wrong. Everyone's got the potential in the heavyweight division, but I don't know if it's going to be him to do it. But okay, so moving on to the last quarterfinal, we have the one which is probably going to happen in December. <sighs> God knows where, but, you know, whoever, who knows, um, is the trilogy. <laughs> well, that's not going to happen, is it? But it's going to be the trilogy between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. I'm saying that I'm. I was genuinely quite shocked, surprised, and uh, good, good, good credits to him, Tyson Fury. Like what he did in that rematch was quite sensational. Um, but he, that's that's a problem for Wilder now. The way he lost, because he at least against Joshua, um, there was no set way. No one could pick apart why he lost. With Wilder, he got a lot of things exposed about him in that fight where. His legs were a bit weak, even though he says it's the costume. It's not the costume because you have to pay for that. You have to pay tons of money for it. You have to try it on. You have to fit it. And you would have thought, as he was fitting it, oh, hang on, this costume is a bit heavy. I can't wear this. But he didn't, so that's fake, um, that lie. Um, but his legs were a little bit weak. And the thing is, he realized that Tyson – I say this to anyone. You cannot fight Tyson Fury the same way more than once. Um, I mean, it was shown he got a draw. He did really well, Wilder, to get a draw with Tyson Fury. And uh, in the rematch... should have won it, but... Well, I don't know about... I don't know. That was a close fight. Should... I don't know how he got up from that. But... That was incredible, the way Tyson Fury got up. But the thing is, I feel like Tyson would have won that fight if it wasn't for the fact that Wilder got the knockdown because... Wilder getting that knockdown, as you know in boxing, that makes it a 10-8 round. So mm. if you're two rounds behind on the scorecards, which conveniently enough I had for Wilder, two rounds behind because it was close, um, but he floored Fury. Fury got up, credit to him. And I think that kind of leveled it out to the point where Tyson didn't have enough time to win that fight. So, yeah, I, uh, yeah that's how the draw happened. But in the rematch, it was the fact that he was – he knew because he fought Wilder a full 12 rounds the first time round. So he knew how he fought and he was able to get the right tactics in. I feel like the only way Wilder is going to be able to beat Tyson Fury in the trilogy is if he completely switches up his style. But 
I don't believe Wilder is the sort of fighter to do that. He's a bit like a Mike Tyson. He has every opportunity to switch up his style, but he doesn't. Um, doesn't mean to say you can count him out, though, because you know the sort of power Wilder's got in his right hand. Yeah. That's immense. Like, I'd like to Most see... power ever, really. I would like to see uh, Wilder and Tyson and Mike Tyson in their primes shoved in a ring together. I would like to see that. Bloody hell. <laughs> but, um, anyway, so... I think the way it's going to go down is... I know Matt's probably going to crucify me for saying this, but it's the sort of thing where I do believe that um, Tyson Fury's probably going to get the win this time around against Wilder. It's not exactly a bad thing for the, for the world because everyone knows that Wilder, he's... I don't know if it's scared or if it's the fact that the right deal hasn't come up. I don't know what it is, but he refuses to leave the US uh, so Fury went to his back garden and beat him, which in a way is worse because he beat him in his home, his home country. So I do feel like if he loses, Wilder's going to have to listen to other people's terms. He's going to have to come to the UK and other places to fight the to fight the bigger fighters. Like I'd still like to see a Joshua Wilder, even though it isn't for undisputed this time around. I'd like to see it. I really would. But um, and I think that will happen if he loses because he's going to have to pick the big fights. Um, but anyway, so wherever they're going to fight, it won't be the UK, I don't think, for the trilogy. But because the the fight, I feel like what will happen is Wilder's going to be a bit more cautious, but he's going to drag it out. I think this fight's going to go longer than the rematch. Um, but I feel like Wilder, yet again, will be stopped on his feet late because I don't think Wilder's the sort of fighter to switch up his style. But I mean, I guess we'll pass you over to the wilder analyst matthew give his take on this i don't know it's gonna be a weird fight probably very good fight um wilder could just hit him at any point just do it you never know but i don't think that's gonna happen um i feel like it's gonna go the same way in the second fight as you said break him down yeah tyson fury is the sort of fighter as i've said millions of times that he um He's the sort of person that in the build-up to the fight, he gets in the other guy's head. The other guy gets frustrated as soon as the first bell goes. He, the, f- the fighter runs straight at Fury. All Fury has to do is wait for him to gas out, and then he can start deconstructing them and either providing a knockout or a decision win for him. The, um, Tyson Fury, though, I, does not have um, knockout power. He's got power, certainly. Hello, fists. <laughs> I don't Jesus Christ, that was funny, the build-up to the rematch, man. But it was it was just how, I don't think Fury, he's got power, certainly, but he doesn't have knockout, like massive knockout power. But mm. because Wilder, the, the, build, the way Wilder's built, I feel like that's why those sorts of fighters can be knocked out by Tyson Fury, because they don't have massive amounts of leg strength and stability in the ring. They, because... If you go back and you watch round 12 of their first fight, you see Wilder was throwing everything at Fury when he got up and he was throwing himself off balance. Like he was really, de- he was really desperate to try and f- to get another shot on Fury because he knew he needed a lot of power to get him on the canvas again. But he, could, he wasn't able to find it. And the fact is Wilder was hugely exposing himself, which I thought was a very dangerous move to do even that late in the fight. But okay, so... Final predictions for that one. I feel like we're going to get a similar result. I think it will go a bit later because Wilder will be more cautious. The fight will go on longer. 
but I think my guess, and it could be anything from this round onwards, Fury by round nine up to 12, either by TKO stopped on his feet or unanimous decision. What do you think, Matt? I think it's either going to be a surprise knockout by Wilder or that's if that doesn't happen, like most likely not going to happen. Um, I think Tyson will just, it'll happen the same sort of way as the second fight, but I don't think, it, as you said, it will just be dragged out a bit more. Yeah. Okay, so... You've, now we've, you've got our take on the quarter finals. So the way we're doing it, um, this might not be the way it goes down, obviously, because anything can happen in heavyweight boxing. But so this is the way we're judging it, the way we think it's going to go down. So when we go up to the quarterfinals, um, we've got Joshua facing his second mandatory, um, which will ended up in our case being Derek Chisora. Now, the thing is with Joshua, I don't, I don't want to undermine anyone, but it's to the sort of point where, I mean, we've seen the sort of guys that Joshua's got on his record. I do believe he's got a one-up on Tyson Fury in this department where he's got more names on his record than Tyson. He's got Vladimir Klitschko and he's got it by knockout, which is a big thing on his to have on your record. It's a huge thing to have there. Um He's got that. He's got Povetkin. So that's two former world champions already. He's got Joseph Parker. That's three. Three former world champions. He's got Dillian White as well, which is the only loss he's ever had. So to have those names on your record just shows that Joshua, no one is going to be able to knock him out in round one. That's never going to happen. So it's to the sort of point where Derek Chisora, I feel like he's going to do what he normally does, and he's going to try and walk Joshua down, but the thing is, Joshua has fought Carlos Takam as well, who gave Derek Chisora loads of worries in that fight. Um, but Joshua, I feel like the way he fought Takam, which was a case of, you know, staying in the middle, um, boxing him on the outside, and every time he sees an opening, throw a right hand um, until it wears him down enough that he can deliver his um, his combination that he seems to like, which was the right hand followed by the left hook. And that put Takam away. And I feel like that might be the same for Chisora, where he's going to get walked down the same way Takam walked Joshua down, box around each other. I think the thing is, Chisora is one of those fighters that has to get up close to do what he does best. And if Joshua doesn't allow that to happen, then Chisora isn't going to get the points to be able to provide him with a win. So, I mean, what do you think on this one, Matt? It's a kind of an interesting fight. Well, I, don't, I feel like if Joshua's going to knock him out, it's going to be later, because Chisora can take a lot, a lot of shots. Um, but I still think Joshua should put him away. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I think that's going to be either... It's going to be late. If anything, it's going to be late. I feel like... Joshua could probably deal with Chisora in the same way he dealt with Takam, and that's being a clever but powerful boxer for a large majority of the fight, not taking any unnecessary risks, waiting for an opening, and probably put Chisora away round 10, maybe, something like that. That was the same one as Takam. So, see, the thing is with Chisora, you look on his record, he hasn't been taken out early or mid by any fighter. So it's going to be late. Um, I mean, Tyson Fury had two decisions with Chisora, from what I remember. Actually, I don't think that's true. 
Actually, I don't think that's true. I think he had one decision against Chisora, and I think he had him stopped on his feet as well, which I thought was a little bit odd from the ref because I do feel like the referee, he should have, you know, he was like very eager to call that fight off for some reason. But it was to the point where, yeah, I do believe that it's going to be a very similar story to Joshua Takam um, in that respect. But final prediction from me for that fight, um, Joshua is going through to the final for a chance to fight for Undisputed, and he will beat Chisora by knockout late or unanimous decision. What do you think on that, Matt? Yeah, I think it could be points quite easily, um, or just a late, very late knockdown. Uh, knockdown. Yeah, probably the same. Just okay. <laughs> well, got that locked down. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So, like, last semi-final to decide who becomes undisputed or who's fighting for undisputed anyway in our books we have mandatory defense of tyson fury for his wbc title against dillian white wow (laughs) what a fight um okay so this is a very very hard fight to judge um well we all know what tyson fury can do and in our books if it plays out the way we think it will what he has done and him coming into this fight i don't know if dillian's got a um, hugely strong mind in these instances like i mean you can't afford to let tyson fury in your head you do that's already one point down for you before the fight's even started because if he gets in your head he knows the way that people are going to act and he knows how to neutralize that that's why he's remained undefeated at the moment as I keep saying, I do believe that in his whole career, Tyson's definitely going to take a knee at some point. But whenever that will be, we don't know. Um, with Dillian White, um, I feel like now, if if you just look at his body transformation, he's 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 got a hugely incredible strong build now. He's taking on these huge fighters. He's constantly testing himself. He's strengthening his chin. His core is very strong as well. I Tyson Fury's going to have his work cut out for him. It's going to be a harder fight for him than I think Tyson's ever had. Because if you think about it with Wilder, all he has to do is keep his eyes on Wilder. And he's got to duck and dive and roll his shots to make sure he doesn't tank a big right hand to the face. Um, as for Vladimir Klitschko, Vladimir tried to get in to box him, but Tyson just kept boxing him on the outside. He kept him away with his huge jab and... Vladimir couldn't do anything. But there's no real challenges. Chisora, all he has to do is, as I said, wait against the ropes and wait, bide his time and deliver what he needs to. And so I don't think Tyson's been in the deep water as much as Dillian White has. Like, you can see the sort of challenges Dillian White's taken on. Oscar Rivas, he was flawed. He still won that fight, but I don't know how that happened. I think that might have been a push, to be honest. If you go and watch the replay of that knockdown, I do think that probably a push from Rivas. But regardless of the fact that it was counted as a knockdown, um, Joseph Parker knocked White down once as well. Um, Obviously, he got knocked out from Joshua. But if you look at all of that, you could see that the amount of like quality opposition that Dillian White is taking on, Tyson Fury's never really done that. And... It took him long enough to build up to Vladimir Klitschko. And all right, credit to him. He got straight back in the ring after his comeback and 
within two, maybe three fights, took on Wilder twice. It's, you know, it's different. Um, but, all right, uh, what do you think, Matt? This is kind of an interesting topic. Um, about this fight? Yeah. Um, it's a hard one to say, to be honest. Um, because it could go either way quite easily. Yeah. Um, why could it, she's him and he could go down Tyson doesn't go down easily um, and I don't really know to be honest it's going to be a close one I mean people seem to forget that in his warm up fight that he took um, to get ready for Wilder for the second time he took on Otto Wilder now people seem to disregard this fight but I think it's important to talk about it Tyson it was meant to be a warm up fight for him but it turned out into a bloody brawl and Tyson, he got, he sustained a cut in round three, which was huge. Like, I mean, you think that Vitali Klitschko's cut against Lennox Lewis was bad. I mean, yes, the fight was stopped for that reason, but you should see that. You should see that cut. Like I see the thing is the, he was, he was at serious risk of being stopped because of his cut in that fight. Um, Tyson Fury had a great cutman in his corner that was putting Vaseline in there and making sure that he could keep fighting. But that gave Otto Wilding a huge advantage. He kept on aiming for that cut, made it worse, kept opening it up. I don't know how Tyson was able to do that, but he came very close to an upset there. And imagine that if Otto Wilding beaten Tyson Fury, what that would have done for loads of other fighters around the world, giving them something to work with. And that technically has. And if Dillian remembers that, what happened there with Otto Wallin, that's an asset to him because he does now know that um, most fighters, if they think, oh, he's never been cut, he's never been wounded, if they think that, they're a lot more cautious around him. But the fact that he has sustained a cut means that that's going to be like an asset to Dillian White because he's thinking this man can get injured. So he's not as scared to go in and try and trade with Tyson Fury. Like, I wouldn't advise it for long periods of time, but at the same time, if you think you could see an opening, go in there and trade with him. Dylan's got the power to do it. And it just seems to me that Tyson Fury is very, very hard to put on a canvas. That We know that for a fact. And as I'm saying, I do not believe Dillian White will be able to do that. But I do believe that it's going to be very similar, that fight, as to what the fight with Walin or the fight with Joseph Parker is going to be. It's going to be a constant war where one fight is going to get the round and then the next fight is going to get the next round. It's going to go backwards and forwards until eventually the last two rounds are what decides the winner of the fight. I do feel like that's probably how it's going to happen. Because and Tyson, he's not doing what I really think he should be doing. And he's disregarding White as anyone that could give him trouble. That's very dangerous. And with someone like Dillian White, that'll spur him on. And you won't really be expecting what you get. And with Dillian White, he's got a very, very good style in which he can tank these shots by shoulder rolling, sticking his shoulder out, tanking them. And, well, Tyson, he's going to have to come up with a game plan in the ring, I believe, to be able to deal with that. But... That's going to be a constant backwards and forwards slugfest, I do believe. Um, but that's a fight that it's very hard for anyone to predict. But, um, you know, Dillian White is hugely improved and 
he's a force to be reckoned with in the division. Um, but okay, so I'm gonna let Matt pick his prediction for this fight first. I'm gonna go with White on points. Mm. Late, very late knockdown. Yeah, I think the thing is with Dylan White that. He's got the ability to do it, and he's been waiting, oh, well, but from today, a thousand days for the chance to fight for the WBC belt. So, no matter how ridiculous that is, it's to the point where he's had that long wait, and he's finally been given his shot. He's going to take it for everything he's got, because Dillian... Exactly, it's mad. But Dillian White has never fought, really. He's never fought for a world title, which... It's crazy to me because he's one of the best heavyweights in this division and he's never fought for a title. That's that's strange. But the fact that he's fought two former world... Well, actually, hang on. No, he has. he's fought a former world champion. He's, a, he's about to go on to fight his next former world champion. So, you know, he's he's doing it and he's doing it well. Um, well, uh, okay, for me, I'll, it's kind of really tricky. It's going to be a backwards and forwards bout, but... I don't think he's going to be able to knock out Tyson Fury. I don't think hardly anyone's going to be able to do that. But I have to say, um, even though that probably you guys listening are going to be very surprised, I'm going to have to say the same as Matt. I'm going to have to say Dillian White by unanimous decision. Because I do feel like if it does go the full 12 rounds distance, Dillian is going to impress the judges. I just do think that's probably what it's going to be. But all right, so that means we've now got our undisputed title fight. The fight that I would I would prefer to see. I mean, everyone would love to see Joshua Fury. I would. But I would much prefer this fight that we've selected out here. Not And that, I'm not saying that's the reason why we, this fight is our top pick, but it's the way we believe it could possibly play out. But anyway, so we have a rematch of... Anthony Joshua and Dillian White for the undisputed heavyweight championship. Wow. Uh, Battle of Britain still, even though it isn't Tyson Fury, still Battle of Britain. And for undisputed, and to also add to that, definitely in the UK. Because, I mean, Joshua wants to have it in the UK. White White would. And Tyson Fury keeps on saying... um, the, the home of the Gypsy King for him is Las Vegas. So that's more of a pull away from it for the Battle of Britain. And that means if Josh was saying UK, he's saying Las Vegas, they're going to have to pick a neutral venue. Where would they go? Saudi Arabia. <laughs> but, you know, if it ends up being that Dillian White is there instead of Tyson Fury, then, I mean, I do believe that that fight is probably going to be a Wembley battle for a full 90,000 stadium. And that's definitely going to be one. I can assure you that me and Matt are going to be swiping tickets up for if that does happen. Hopefully. Like, that would be incredible. But um, so the way this fight is going to play out, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Um, Well, we know Joshua, we know White and what they've done to get to this stage. Now, this undisputed fight is going to take forever to make if it does happen. Because if you think about it, Joshua only has to fight the two guys that he had to get through first once because they were mandatories. They weren't former champions, they were mandatories. On Dillian White's behalf, one of them, it's not a mandatory because he's not a champion at the moment, but he fought one of them. He only has to fight him once. 
But Tyson Fury, I feel like if he was a champion and he's beaten him and got his belt, then he's going to want a rematch. And I feel like that's going to be a rematch clause. So I feel like there's have to be two fights there. But in the event that Dillian gets Tyson twice, which is quite hard to say even for once, let alone twice. But <laughs> I do feel like that if he does, we all get to this stage, then that's going to be a fight that's immense because, well... Imagine the taglines and the undercard on that. Jesus Christ, that's going to be mad. Um, you might even get former champions on the undercard. Like, just all of that is crazy to me. But, um, okay, go on to the fight. Um, Joshua, I, uh, God, it's hard to say, but Joshua's fought White before. White has changed, and that's going to worry Joshua a bit, I feel like, because... He, it depends how much of Dillian he's seen, and I think he's seen a fair bit of him. But if he's able to absorb all of that and analyze how he's going to be able to do it, then that's going to be an asset to him. But Joshua has to put a lot of work into analyzing Dillian White to start with, because you go into close distance of him, then that's it. But Dillian White, if you think about it, if it does play out the way we thought we thought it will then he's beaten Tyson Fury twice, something that no one has ever said that they've done. And that's that's hard. That's that's something that we'll probably think of Joshua's mind. He'll play on it a bit, regardless if Dillian's putting the mind games on or not. Um, but, well, I'm going to let you have a little bit of a chat on this, Matt. It's tricky. Um, if all the things happen, what we have previously, what we've discussed about, and this is a fight, um, then it could honestly be a draw than a rematch. Um, I, I can see that. Or it could just be like a person on points by like one point or whatever or something like that. Or it's just going to be someone knocking out with the other. I don't really know. Now, I think it will depend because I feel like Joshua's a lot more of a clever boxer in learning that he can be beaten and what he was. Regardless if it was a fluke or not, I do think that Joshua now has that thought in the back of his mind. Not that it's going to affect anyone, because everyone's saying, oh, ever since he lost, he's a lot more cautious where he's going to lose to so-and-so. Everyone's disregarding Joshua. I think that's disgusting, really, because what have we done? He's he's a world-class heavyweight. But if you think about it, that thought being in the back of his mind, not in the front, like a lot of people are thinking, but in the back of it, thinking, I need to be cautious, I need to analyse. So... I feel like he's going to be a slower start, but I am. Um, but if Joshua needs to, he can trade with Dillian if it if it has to come to that. And I feel like it's going to be Joshua's going to intend to fight White the same way he fought Parker, I'd imagine. And mm-hmm. he's going to make it a technical fight because he knows that Dillian is a slugfest in there with the best of them, like backstreet fighter. He will trade and he will unload on whoever's in front of him especially now. So I feel like what will probably happen there is Joshua, he's going to have to... I think he's going to try and box him like he did Parker, but if it happens to be that what happens, happens, like he did with against Vladimir Klitschko, he's going to have to start trading. So I think it would depend upon the way the fight itself will unwind. If Dillian does what I think he will and starts to walk down Joshua... If Joshua is able to utilize the space and box around him, 
then I feel like what will happen is he's going to be like five, maybe six rounds up on the on the scorecards, and Dillian's going to start to think, right, I've got to pick up the pace, and he's going to start basically pressuring Joshua immensely and forcing Joshua to exchange with him. And if that happens, then that's when Dillian's got the advantage. So that means I do I do believe that the way that fight plays out is quite similar. It depends upon how it how it goes. Dillian uh, will have the advantage if it's a slugfest. Joshua, if it's a technical boxing match. So both of them have their best case scenarios. So the way I see it happening is is either going to be a split decision draw um, or, and I'm only saying this because judges seem to be more impressed with boxing technique these days, it's either going to be a draw or um, Joshua on points. But that's if Dillian doesn't manage to score a knockdown. If Dillian manages to get a knockdown on Joshua, then that, that could change everything potentially in the course of the fight. But my prediction, if I if I have to pick, them, is either a draw or Joshua on points because of his technical prowess and the fact that he's had to go through people like Derek Chisora, Kubrat Pulev, Vladimir Klitschko. Dillian has been able to scrap with the best of them. And if it plays out, possibly the way that we're thinking it might, Dillian would have beaten Tyson Fury twice. So... God knows how that goes. But all right, so if you want to give your final prediction, crowning as your champion. I really am not sure 100% who. So I'm just going to go with what you went with, literally. Okay, so I. Yeah. I think we might possibly be getting a Lennox Lewis Evander Holyfield situation here, where, where. They have a fight. People undoubtedly Lennox. I mean, all right, maybe not that, but Lennox. I'm just. He definitely won. He won both fights. I don't know how the fight was a draw, but I mean, it was to the point where both fighters had success. Um, I'm just thinking about Anthony Joshua. It depends how he adapts as to what's happening. Um, if it's a draw, then I think both fighters have the opportunity to know how the other one's fighting in the present. And be able to adapt their styles. And in that scenario, I feel like Joshua might win the rematch. But if it goes the way, it's either going to be... If Dillian's going to win this fight at all, it's not going to be from boxing technique. He has got technique, but it won't be from that. I believe that he will win by knockout, if anything. Um, so it's very hard for me to lay on anyone because these two fighters... Are incredible fighters. Um, but personally, for me, I think I'm probably going to lay it on Joshua points. So the way I've crowned it, um, I don't know if Matt's thinking the same. But... I have no clue. So I'm just going to go with what you with. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to, I think for this tournament, Anthony Joshua becomes undisputed. Yeah. Um, just the way that I believe it will work out in this instance. Uh, it probably. It's got every potential to go the other way, but you never know. Well, okay, guys. So it took long enough to get another episode, but we've done it. Um, so this time we were talking about, and I'm still going to use this. I love the sound of this, the golden gauntlet. Um, so we've talked about that. All the fighters in this have probably gone through the wars. Uh, and chances are there's going to be a lot of rematches made 
from everyone in this gauntlet if they've come into contact with each other once because every single one of them is a blockbuster fight. Chances are that they're, they're, they'll probably rematch each other for the sheer hell of it as the others are going on for bigger things. So, But uh, the unfortunate reality of becoming an undisputed heavyweight champion in this day and age is that the the mandatory requirements for the person who holds every single one of the belts is immense. Um, and I feel like even though the IBO that Joshua holds is lesser regarded in the boxing community, that still has its mandatories. And Joshua, if he manages to do it, pull it off the way we think he will, he will have five belts. And that means he has five sets of mandatories. He will. So I feel like what will happen in this day and age, but it was different for Lennox Lewis because Lennox Lewis didn't have as many belts to defend. I think Lennox had three as undisputed. So now there's five. And Josh was going to have a lot of, lot more work than Lennox ever did in defending his titles. And I feel like what will happen is Joshua will keep going for three years, maybe. And I think eventually he's going to prioritize one or two of the one, two, maybe three of the belts to keep and vacate two of them. So because he won't be able to keep up with the mandatories and a lot of these mandatory, the mandatory bodies, the boxing bodies, a lot of the time they say, if you haven't defended our belt, then you've, you vacate it. We're not giving you a choice. You've got to do it. And if he can't, I mean, Joshua's only got one pair of hands to fight with. So he won't be able to do two at once. So it's going to have to be the point where he's going to have to pick ones to defend eventually. I do feel like he will, he will stay undisputed for a while, but not permanently because he won't be able to keep up with it. Um, all right. So thanks everyone for listening. Um, this is, was fight for film TV. Um, from the boxing sector with me and my co-host Matthew Alcock <laughs> and yes indeed um, right, thanks for listening and well I suppose we will um, be seeing you in the future don't know when that's going to be but we've got some ideas and yeah. we'll see what, which one falls through I suppose so thanks for listening to our take on the heavyweight golden gauntlet and we will be seeing you next time Thanks for listening. See you.